0: And let us turn our Bibles to Jonah. And at this time, we are in Jonah chapter 3. Jonah chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed and all of them from the greatest to the least put on sackcloth. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. And this is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink But let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from His fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, He relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. May God bless the reading from His Holy Word. Please be seated. So we continue, brethren, with our study in the book of Jonah. And Jonah is a very exciting book. Amen? It's just four chapters, but Let's just go quickly, and this is part three of our series. If you remember part one, we have the call to missions. And this was the time when Jonah was called by God. He was a prophet of God. He was called by God to go to the great city of Nineveh because the wickedness of that city, that capital of the Assyrian Empire was so wicked. Remember I told you? The cruelty, the brutality of the Assyrians, all right? It was their reputation. But what happened? Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish, the opposite, totally the opposite of the direction towards Nineveh. And so because of that, God sent a great wind on the sea. And to make the long story short, the only way for the sea to come down was when Jonah be thrown to the sea because he was the one responsible. He was responsible for endangering the lives of others. And, and that's an important lesson we, we learn, remember? When we disobey God, we are endangering the lives of our loved ones. That's why if you sin, don't linger in your sin. Repent immediately. Otherwise, you will be putting the people that you love in danger. And so God saved Jonah by providing a huge fish to swallow him. That's the end of chapter one. And then in chapter two, we have the consecration to missions. Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. And there, Jonah realized what he has done, that he ran away from the Lord. How foolish of him to run away from God who wants to save. And there, Jonah prayed and Jonah rededicated himself to God and so he consecrated himself to God. So the Lord commanded the fish to vomit him and that is why we are now in chapter 3. And the title of our message in chapter 3, The Compassion of Missions. The Compassion of... Of missions, Here, we will focus on the compassion of God as demonstrated in Jonah's recommitting himself towards mission and Nineveh's repentance. We will examine the importance of God's mercy. Amen? How important it is that we tell others that God is a merciful God. God is a compassionate God. Alright, so let's begin with the first lesson. Number one, the first thing we will learn here is commission restated. We find that in verse 1 and verse 2. Commission restated. So this is the restatement of God's mission to Jonah that God gave him back in chapter 1. Look at verse 1 and 2. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Friends, fortunately, both for Jonah and for us, God is a God of what? Of second chances. Amen? God is the God of second chances. You know what Jonah did? He ran away from God. I mean, he could have forfeited his office. He's a bad Prophet, prophet of God, called by God. Of course, you know, prophets, they are given special abilities. And yet, he ran away. He chickened out. But God here is amazing in showing that God has second chance for everyone. Amen? He reinstated Jonah. Though Jonah did everything he could to run away from God, but here... God does not remove Jonah but still gave Jonah another chance. Jonah, go to that city. I'm giving you another chance the same way I'm giving this wicked people another chance. Friends, God was determined to do the work through Jonah even though Jonah was reluctant. So often we fail to obey our Lord, right? There are times... We just want our comfort over obedience, right? And so we don't want to follow God. We bail out on God. But in His grace, He does not bail out on us. Amen? We can find that in the Scriptures. Jonah got his second chance. David got his second chance after he committed adultery with Bathsheba. Peter got his second chance, if you remember. A lot of people... In biblical times, they all received their second chances from God. The same thing with you and with me. That's the story of Jonah. It is a story of second chances. That yes, we've disobeyed God, but it's not the end. All right? God is not done with you. God wasn't done with Jonah. God wasn't done with Nineveh. And so we all have second chances, all right? I like what Lisa Turk, I don't know how to pronounce his name, Turkhurst. Anyway, she's a Christian novelist. She said, you've never gone too far that God can't redeem you, restore you, forgive you, and give you a second chance. And I agree with her. There is no sin, there is no running away, there is no such thing as too far from the reach of God because God's grace will always be reaching out to you and to me. In fact, that's the reason for missions. Why there is missions? God could have just decided, okay, these people don't want to worship me, they want to worship other gods. They don't they don't want to worship me. They ignore me. God could have just decided to just okay, I'm fine. I'm fine with this few people. But no. God is not fine. See? God wants to give everyone another chance to listen, to believe. That's why we go. Amen. That's why we go because perhaps God is giving another chance to somebody else and you could be the Jonah to tell them. I could be the Jonah to tell them that God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. All right, number two. Not only was the commission restated, we find in verse three to four, message relayed. Finally, the message relayed. All right? Because the last time, The message wasn't relayed because the messenger ran away. Okay? You've heard of the runaway bride. There was a runaway prophet. But here, Jonah is going back. Jonah, look at verse 3. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Brethren, this is amazing because after what Jonah went through, it's like God changed him in those three days and three nights in the belly of the fish. Those were moments. You know, sometimes God would give us moments when we are in total darkness. Right? Sometimes, the belly of the fish, for you and for me, it could be a sickness. It could be a problem. It could be some situations that we are locked. It's like, it's like, Even the the whole pandemic was like a a belly-in-the-fish experience for the world, right? For some of us, we were locked down, nowhere to go through. Those were moments where we could really have time with God. It's like God was saying, Now, you're locked in with me. Now, you you don't have any other place to go except to trust me. See? Your businesses are closed. See? And then what happened? It yielded obedience. Notice what happened in chapter 3. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord. And, and here, once again, Jonah tells us that the, the city of Nineveh is so huge, it would take three days. All right? Now, we're just talking here. We're not talking here of the whole. We're just talking here of, of the capital. All right? The capital seat. Of course, There are other outskirts. But we're talking here. Jonah is is simply telling us here that just to go through the city where all the people are, you know, the marketplace, it would take three days to do that. And Jonah was there. And it's amazing because notice the message of Jonah in verse 4. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, 40 more days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. Okay, I want you to take notice of Jonah's message, all right? It wasn't a user-friendly message, right? <laughs> Jonah was not one of those preachers that would give a positive message. He wasn't even preaching, you know, God, is, God loves you. no. It, it, it wasn't a feel-good message. The message was so negative. 40 more days and you're all being hell. <laughs> and yet, those that message transform an entire city. See? Friends, it's not the messenger. <laughs> it's the one who sent the messenger that does the work. Amen? Because the message of Jonah, I mean... It wasn't, can you just imagine, these were cruel people, all right? They were known for their brutality. And imagine the prophet Jonah, the reluctant Jonah, going through the city and preaching, you will die, you will die, you will go to hell. (laughs) I mean, can you imagine the the odds there? But what happened? Later on, we realized that they all repented. See? So, even though there wasn't mention about the Holy Spirit in this chapter, we can sense the Spirit's movement. Amen? Because without the Holy Spirit, you know, people would never turn to the Word of God. Friends, Nineveh faces extinction. And the Hebrew word there for overthrown is exactly the same word used in Genesis 19.21 that talks about the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. So the message to Nineveh was the same message given to Sodom and Gomorrah. The Almighty God is about to punish this great city. This was not the most desirable message, but friends, it yielded a desirable result. It was efficacious. That's the word again, efficacious. The message was efficacious. In other words, the desired outcome was what? Accomplished. Because that message was powerful. Jonah's mission in Nineveh was centered around the proclamation that indeed, if you don't repent, God will destroy this city. Brethren, the power of missions then lies in the fearless, take note, fearless proclamation of God's truth. For it is through His word that hearts are convicted and lives are changed. Amen? We have to fearlessly preach the word. You don't have to sugarcoat the word. Sometimes, because we don't want to offend people, we tend to sugarcoat the word of God. We tend to just give 30% of the word. Perhaps they are not ready for the 100%. Brethren, it's not for you to determine, it's for God. You and I are just messengers. Amen. Never think that it is through our voice, through our lives that people will be changed. No. You and I, we don't have the capacity to change people. Only God can do that. Amen? Our job is just to be the mouthpiece of God. Share. That's what Jonah did. He went around proclaiming. Alright? So, Jonah obeyed. Message was relayed. And amazing thing happened in the next verse. In verses 5 to 8, we have here, Nineveh repented. All right? With a fearless proclamation of Jonah, he just preached the word. That's all. All right? I mean, perhaps Jonah says, what could, what could have been worse than being in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights? I mean, if these people will kill me, I've experienced the gut of the fish. <laughs> you just imagine the smell. <laughs> you just imagine, see? I mean, for Jonah, I've experienced the worst. All right? And so he just proclaims the word. Now, look at verse 5. The Ninevites believe God. I'm sure Jonah was amazed. <laughs> believe God. In fact, not only amazed, if we're. I'm so excited for next Sunday. All right? Because in chapter 4, he wasn't just amazed, he was dismayed that these people changed. Because in his heart, you know, I'm just I'm just obeying you Lord, but I in my heart, Lord, you know in my heart, I don't want these people to be saved. These are the least people, Lord, that you should be concerned of. I mean, they are wicked. They worship idols. Why would you save them? But Anyway, Lord, that's your command. Maybe some of us, we have that. But that's next that's, 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 that's Sunday. But they believe in God. See? A fast was proclaimed, and all of them, take note, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. Friends, without question, this is the greatest evangelistic harvest in the Scripture. Why this is the greatest? Because not even God's own people had a revival like this. See? They were pagans, but they repented. Alright? Friends, Jonah, remember, Jonah was a prophet to the nation of Israel. He was just being what? He was just given as a side task. He was just pulled for a bit jonah i know you've been preaching to to israel i want you to preach to nineveh he was reluctant but you know what's amazing nineveh repented but israel did not that's why the reason you know a generation after this after jonah a generation maybe when you say a generation that's what 40 40 years. 40 years from this time, Nineveh came and destroyed Israel. These pagan nations repented, but God's own people did not. na destroy Israel, the northern kingdom of Israel. They repented. Friends, we need to understand an important principle here. Repentance starts when we are really confronted by God's Word. see, There can be no repentance without the preaching of God's Word. See, And how can people repent if they are not told their sins? You see? That's the problem with a lot of churches in modern times. A lot of churches don't want to talk about sin because they don't want to offend their worshipers. The question is, how can people repent of all their sins if the pulpit is silent about sin? See? How can we be corrected if all we get on Sundays is just a feel-good message? You know, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. But we are not. Surely, there are so many areas in our lives that we need to repent from. And that is why it starts when we are confronted with the Word of God and then we believe Him and we believe in His Word and that's where what? The Holy Spirit will work. And what happened here? A fast was proclaimed and all of them take note from the least to the greatest. Brethren, this is... A radical change, see? The response of the Ninevites is nothing short of being what? Radical, and it shows what? The magnitude of their reaction to Jonah's proclamation because it says, from the greatest to the least. All right? And not only that. What do you mean greatest? Rich people from the king himself. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. Now, historically, according to historians, probably, okay, they could, the king here could either be Shalmaneser the or one of the two who succeeded him, Ashur Danil and Assur-nirari. Now, these are four names. These were the kings of Assyria between 781 to 750 BC. And this is the time in which Jonah preached to Nineveh. So, you know, I'm sure you're familiar with Shalmaneser. You know, he, he's an important figure, you know, in ancient history. Now, going back, it, it says there, he rose from his throne. Friends, I'm sure. That without the working of the Holy Spirit, this wicked king would never repent. See? So we always find that it's preaching with the word plus the Holy Spirit working in the lives of people. Then you will have what? A revival. And, and just to make sure that we understand the magnitude of their revival. It's not just about humans. Notice this, the proclamation of the king. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people and animals. Di ni mo reklamo ang mga animals ani? Mayo mga animals wala not talagang labot. See, we're not the ones doing wicked things. We are just the food. <laughs> but why are we included, Lord? See, let all people and animals and herds and flocks taste. Nothing, no? Do not let them eat or drink. It was just like a lockdown. (laughs) It's like Nineveh experienced a lockdown. No one should be feeding anything. In other words, the idea here is just you just stay in your house and pray to God. That's all. The idea of not even animals. The idea is you don't have even time to go out and feed your animals. You just stay at home and pray. That's the idea. See? You don't feed them. Alright? In other words, you, everything must stop because it's just going to be a time of what? Of prayer and fasting and mourning. See? Sackcloth is a sign that's an ancient tradition. When you wear sackcloth, it's a, it's a what? It's a symbol for mourning. You mourn. You grieve. Alright? And fasting Fasting is you choose not to celebrate. You choose to mourn, all right? But let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. See see that? Not just people, but animals. So this is the magnitude of the revival is what's so vast. From the richest to the poorest, from humans to animals and notice what they should do let everyone call urgently on god let them give up their evil ways and their violence friends see the importance when we pray for our king that's why that explains why do we always include to pray in our community prayer mayor rama gwen Garcia. Ferdinand Marcos. Is Pastor Maki this platform Maki voted for these people? <laughs> Friends, I don't want you to un- I don't want you to think that it's something political. It is our moral obligation to pray for our leaders. Even if you did not vote for these people, once they are seated there, they are part of our responsibility. We pray for them. Why? This is an example of what. Kings and presidents can do if they turn to God. See? That's why it's important to share the gospel to pray for them. That's why there are ministries that we do in order to bring our what? Our government, our leaders, you know, the military, the army, the police. Can you imagine if our generals, if our senators... And praise God that some senators and congressmen are born again. If they believe in the Lord, that will solve our problems of corruption. If these people are God-fearing, can you imagine if the president of the Philippines fears the Lord and loves the Lord? Can you just imagine the radical transformation of our laws? See? of the things we do as a nation this is an example of a revival that really starts from top to bottom amen this is revival brethren revival in its very biblical sense now what is revival according to charles finney revival is a renewed conviction of sin and repentance followed by an Tense, i want you to understand this intense desire to live in obedience to god it is giving up one's will to god in deep humility and friends this definition of revival describes what happened in nineveh See, renewed conviction of sin and repentance brethren the church needs revival you know again and again it doesn't mean that we're christians we worship here you know the sinful nature you know it's a nature when we don't anything with our spiritual life what is the course of nature it is always degrading it is always going back to its what sinful tendency if we don't talk about sin if we don't talk about revival chances are We go through the motion of our Christianity like we sin here, we sin there. I know God will forgive me. See? It's important that there is a renewed conviction of sin. That sin, whatever sin it is, it is rebellion to God. See? You and I could never take for granted sin. Sin is rebellion to God. Whatever sin it is, you and I must live a life as much as possible away from sin. I am not saying that I'm perfect or we are perfect. None of us will ever achieve perfection in this world. But the point is, if we want to honor God, we have to be convicted of our sins. We have to be aware that sin is the opposite of revival. See? Revival can happen when we are convicted of our sins, when there is real and genuine, you know, obedience. According to Sage Spurgeon, if we want revival, we must revive our reverence for the Word of God. And I agree, totally agree with that. The revival of Nineveh was because of the proclamation of the Word. See? Jonah proclaimed the Word of God. What's the word of God? Very simple. Jonah told, you know, God told Jonah, Jonah, the wickedness of this city has reached my throne. Preach against that city or otherwise I'm going to destroy them. See, that was the message of God. So Jonah was simply passing on the message. 40 days and God will destroy this city unless... We repent of our sins. Friends, revival happens when there is what? When we revive our reverence for the Word of God. The Word of God must have its preeminence in our worship service. Now, let's go to the fourth. Compassion. Compassion of God relied on. Notice this word. From the king. This is the king himself. Who knows? (laughs) See? Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. What do we have here? Out of his desperation, out of his desperation for an impending destruction from God, the king, you know, hope. This is a message of hope. Nowhere else. <laughs> what should we do? Destruction is coming. See? What should we do? I mean, I'm sure during this time, you know, what God did to Egypt and to the other nations that God destroyed, it is still fresh from their, you know, their news. I mean, this is not a bluffing of, of some prophet because they knew what God did to Egypt and to the other nations around Cana when God's people came. And so when God says, I will destroy your nation if you don't repent, you know, we should repent. And notice this, who knows God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. Brethren, let me quote Matthew Henry here. Hope of mercy is the great encouragement to repentance. That's, that's the message of the king. He was hoping. you know, Let's change our ways. Let's end this wickedness that we have. Perhaps God may change his mind. Friends, that is hoping for mercy and hoping for mercy is a good thing. It is a great encouragement to repentance and though there, there be but some glimmerings of hope mixed with great fears arising from a sense of our own sinfulness and unworthiness and long abuse of divine patience, yet they may serve to quicken and engage our serious repentance and reformation. Hope for mercy is good, brethren. even though we have abused the divine patience of God when we hope that, Lord, can I just get another chance? That's what the king was saying. I know, Lord, I'm bad. I know we're a wicked nation. We worship other gods. We do cruel things or enemies. But perhaps, Lord, we repent. Can you give us another chance? See? That's what happened here. They were simply relying on the compassion and the mercy of God. There's nothing else they could do. They are not God. See? Except hope. See? And friends, that's the essence of prayer. <laughs> prayer is not coercing God to change His mind. Fasting is not, you know, you know like coercing God, forcing God, Lord, can you please change? No. Prayer is hoping. See? Prayer is relying in trusting our situation, in trusting our condition in the hands of God. Perhaps God would say yes, but never think that prayers forces God to do something outside His will. Amen? We don't force. So they're not trying to bargain. They're not trying to bribe god here they're really repenting of their sins and the words of the king who knows see that's relying on the mercy of god and then finally we've come to the last verse and here's the amazing verse god relented god relented and this might you know stir our minds concerning our theology of God. Will God relent? (laughs) Can an immutable God relent? Oh no, this is what the Bible says. When God saw what they did. Take note, when God saw. I mean, God God is no stupid and foolish that He could not see the hearts of men. In other words, there was genuine repentance because God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways. What happened? He relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. Friends, that's the second chance of God. God relented. In some other translation, it says God repented. The word relent there, you know, simply means what? To change one's mind, all right? In a sense that, God was determined to destroy and so he changed his mind and so God will no longer destroy. Is that biblical, pastor? Yes, of course. That doesn't mean that God is a changeable God. Alright? So that brings us to the question, will an immutable God, remember, one of the attributes of God is that God is immutable. God never changes. Well, In what area does God change? Well, in God's dealing with people, God does change. See? According to John MacArthur, it isn't that God actually changed his mind, it's just that they lived up to the conditions which allowed God to do that. In other words, God changing his mind has something to do with his dealings with us. All right? if you obey then i will not give you the punishment i plan but if you do well you will be punished see in that sense the bible teaches us that god does that oftentimes in the bible in fact that's the reason why he sends his prophets remember to warn them Because if if they don't follow the warnings of God, then destruction would come. The same thing with Sodom and Gomorrah. With Egypt, God sends the message. Can you remember the bargaining between, you know, Abraham and and God? God says, well, because Abraham was, it's like Abraham was trying to check the heart of God. Are you really willing, Lord, to destroy this? whole city. Lord, what if there are innocent people there? See? There, bagsak yun Abraham's young theology. But again, God was just simply patient with him. But that was an insult, by the way, huh? That was an insult to God because Abraham was like saying, Lord, do you really know the innocent from the wicked? Because he was questioning God's decision. But God was simply, okay, sige, sige, for your sake. If you find 50 people who are innocent, I will not destroy. See? The idea there is this. God is no injustice God. He was not an unjust God. There is no injustice in the heart of God. He knows. See? There is no injustice in his mind. He's a just God. See? Now, look at Jeremiah 18. Verse 7, this is an example of God relenting. If at any time I announce that a nation or a kingdom is to be uprooted, torn down, and destroyed, and God does that in history. See? Human history is in the hands of God. Why one empire is gone, another empire rises? Well, that's what the Bible says. They did something, and God says, that's the end of your empire. Now, what happened? If that nation I warned repents of its evil, then I will relent and not inflict on it the disaster I had planned. See? God does that. And if another time I announce that a nation or a kingdom is to be built up and planted, now this is the opposite. In, in one sense, if, if a nation I, I'm planning to torn down, I'm planning to destroy because of their evil, I can change. On the other hand, God promises blessing to a nation because this nation is doing good. I will bless you. But what happened? If it does evil in my sight and does not obey me, notice what God will do. Then I will reconsider the good I had intended to do for it. See? Friends, we can also forfeit the blessing of God. You see? And what applies to nations applies to us. Friends, if we live in sin, we might be forfeiting a blessing. Mona, I have this joke among our B groups. Kung nagani magbotog sala, No? plan plana ka disobey lang yun ba? Lord, bisang kajot lang, good pastor mo, disobey lang ko ni Lord. Mauna ako, wa makakagig pa nga yun. Sige, noo. Sige. Mauna, ra, ka simple. Can I disobey? Okay, ra, wa makakagig lang yun for this year. Because if you, if you have something, if you're asking God for something and you know that your sin, the Bible says, covers you from, from receiving the blessing, you know the result. You are forfeiting the good of God. See? So never provoke God's anger. The Bible says, if I plan to bless you, but then, notice this, if you do evil in my sight, and does not obey me, then I will reconsider the good. Diba? Then how many of us would say, na ako na ganoon ta'tong balay. Kung pa lang ko na Naako na ta'tong good health. See? Because a lot of times, we have forfeited the blessing of God because of our disobedience. See? So, the next time, before you plan to do a sin, think, Am I asking God for something? Not unless ni Lord Allah <laughs> sige. But if you know you are dependent on God like I do, then we be careful how we live. Amen? In Joel chapter 2, verse 12. This is the heart of God, the mercy of God. Even now declares the Lord. See, return to me with all your heart with fasting and weeping and mourning. What's the idea there, pastor? The idea again of fasting, weeping, and mourning, these are not just religious things. Some people do this for religious stuff. No, the idea for fasting, weeping, and mourning is that you really grieve and mourn for your sins. See, God is not, God is not pleased with just a ritualistic fasting. See? All this fasting and weeping and mourning, these are all what? Outward signs of an inner conviction. See? You show me that you really are sorrowful. Show me that you really mourn and grieve for what you've done. Right? Rend your heart and not your garments. See? See? God is saying, don't just show me that you're, you know, rending or ng rend. It means to to tear down, no? Don't just rend your heart, I mean your clothes, rend your heart. Because it is the heart that is important to God. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious, compassionate, slow to anger, and abounding in love. And he relents from sending calamity. Again, Joel says, Who knows? See? This is exactly what the king of Nineveh said. Who knows? He may relent, he may turn and relent and leave behind a what? A blessing grain offerings drink offerings for the lord your god see brethren the idea there is this obedience brings blessings repentance brings blessings so when we sin against god we are telling god i don't need your blessing lord (laughs) see When we deliberately sin against God, it's like we're telling God, I don't like the blessing you have prepared. Because right here, we find from Scripture that God intends to bless His people. But we forfeit that blessing if we turn away from Him. Alright? And so brethren, even Jesus Christ Himself, our Lord and Savior, the Messiah, that is His message. The time has come The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. That's the message we need to proclaim. That's the message proclaimed by Jonah to Nineveh. That's the same message we need to proclaim today. Repent and believe the good news. Now, in closing, what I want you to understand in this chapter is this. Take The second chance of God. All right? Take the second chance of God. Whether you're a parent, you're a child who has disobeyed your parents, or maybe you have wasted your life, you have wasted your resources, take the second chance of God. If you're hearing this message, God is telling you, I'm giving you a second chance to change your life. All right? Don't waste this offer of God because He may not give back offer to you. Alright? Let me close with Second Peter 3.9. God is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but for everyone to come to repentance. Amen and Amen.